Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brody Sports Talk. My name is Cale Walgren, and we are starting the show off today with Travis Conaway and what's going to be a bit of a mixed uh, bag of an. Uh, hopefully, you all really enjoy it. Uh, Travis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, yeah, this this podcast or this recording is going to be a little bit different uh, just due to scheduling, but uh, yeah, absolutely, still be a good uh, one. First, lots of fun things. Travis to talk about. and I are going to break down uh, some of what happened in the conference championships that happened last week, and then we're going to get into some of what we think is going to happen this week. Uh, then Sean is going to join me for a few moments, and we're going to hit the. Uh, 300 seconds of soccer, and we actually are going to talk about Josh Norman signing with the Bills. And then we're going to all get together to go over the rankings of the green jerseys that I know that Sean was super hyped about. And uh, then we're wrapping up with this day in sports and game of the week. So uh, if you listen in, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Let us know what you think of us kind of mixing and melding together to make this episode. Uh, But let's Let's go ahead and uh, get to some of the brackets that, that happened last week. Now, we're going to start with the one that finished first, Belmont winning the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament over Murray State, 76 to 75. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis, you have any thoughts about the Ohio Valley Tournament? I mean, I watched Belmont, and they were men playing on boys. It looks like um, in that conference tournament, it was it was it was awesome to watch. But man, they Belmont looked really good. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to throw out any kind I mean, of predictions. Or anything, but Belmont looks solid. Murray State. If you saw the championship game, Belmont getting the win with a backdoor cut to the basket. You know, down one with. You know, the shot going in with three seconds left, yep. it was it was quite epic. Uh, then we get to Arch Madness, the Missouri Valley Conference, yeah. uh, which a lot of chaos. Um, Let's go! If you followed what was happening in that tournament on Friday, the one, two, and three seeds went down, leaving Bradley as the favorite at that point. And Bradley did not disappoint. Travis actually picked them. They won the tournament last year. Uh, They went out and won three games in three days, finishing off Valparaiso, who was trying to win four games in four days, uh, 80 to 66. Uh, I always love watching Missouri Valley. I feel like there's part of it that it just feels like how I feel college basketball is supposed to feel. It's still very much a team game. There's not one person taking over the show and you see people playing hard on both sides of the floor. Uh, do you have any thoughts about Bradley other than just being proud of your no. Braves and that upset pick you had? Uh, I think I've become a Bradley Braves fan, man. Like just watching them. Uh, I was actually in Texas this weekend and got to watch them. Um, it, it was a ton of fun. Um, honestly, let's be real. I only picked them because they, they won last year. And the fact that they were able to pull it out again, back to back, uh, Think they own uh, the other the other big one was the Southern Conference where we it. saw East Tennessee State uh, pretty much manhandle the bracket. Uh, 
I have them as a double-digit victor in all three of their contests. Uh, the only one being close for a while was the championship game against uh, the surprising seven-seed Wofford Terriers, who you would remember from the tournament last year. Uh, East Tennessee took it 72-58. to 58. Mm-hmm. Uh, At this point, I do wish Sean was with us because he could wax eloquently about the beauties of East Tennessee. And we're, we're tweeting at Johnson City Tourism to see if we can, you know, get them to sponsor us. But definitely it was a, a big win for the Bucks, And I think they're going to be a challenging team. They're at, what, 29 or 30 wins for the year? That's not something you want to see from a mid-major. Yeah. You are you know, a six-seed or a seven-seed getting them in the first round. Uh, let's I mean, go ahead and move over to sure. the tournaments that are either just getting underway or started last night uh, from some of the bigger conferences that we had talked about. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get the easy one out of the way first. We're going to go to the A-10 uh, or Atlantic 10 for those of you who don't call it that. They're playing in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York this week. It is a crazy tournament with 14 teams. That being said, if you don't pick Dayton, you're wrong. Uh, they're they're, they're <laughs> right now for a reason. Uh, Obi Toppin has played amazing basketball, and there's no one even on their side of the bracket that I would be worried about. Uh, they swept the conference play in the regular season. I don't even know if there's one on this bracket at all that I'm worried about for them. That being said, Dayton Flyer flying high in the Big Apple. That is my pick, Travis. Who are you going with? I mean, like you said, if you don't pick Dayton, you were wrong. So uh, I am also going to be taking Dayton. Um, the fact that they they don't really have to play anybody until the team that they're playing has already played, you know, a, a one game and then they play back-to-back um, in back-to-back days. So I, I like their chances, um, not only because they're really, really good, but but Dayton is. Do you think just, that uh, Travis Ford and St. Louis have any chance of getting a, a spark there? I know he's a old OSU coach, so I figured you might have some thoughts about him. St. Louis, uh, they're they're not a bad team by any means. Uh, I mean, they're the fourth four seed um, in this tournament, so I I could see them actually battling Dayton in the next round. Um, but I just think they got matched up on the wrong side of the bracket. If they were the, you know, on the bottom bracket, they could have easily made the finals, uh, maybe given themselves a little bit more of a look. Um, but I just think yeah, Dayton's going to overpower them. Well. Um, I'm going to jump around through some of these other tournaments real quick. I feel uh, next I'm going to the SEC. Um, the SEC currently, I feel like, has, you know, three solid teams in the tournament in Kentucky, Auburn, and LSU. So there's definitely a chance for someone to steal a bubble bid from within this conference mm-hmm. tournament. That being said, uh, where, where do you stand on this one, Travis, before I say my pick? I'm picking Kentucky to win it, but I'm going to have Arkansas versus Kentucky in the finals yeah, because are. I'm a homer. Um, I don't think that will happen. That being <laughs> said, I feel like this one is also kind of a – what team has played the most consistent all year long, and that's the Wildcats. I don't like them. 
I'm not a big fan of Big Blue Nation. Yeah. That being said, they won one of our game of the week, so we had their colors up. Uh, and I think that they, they have the strength to win this tournament. Um, I think the Auburn-LSU winner is going to probably be the most interesting game if Auburn and LSU meet in the semis. But uh, this I'm going with Kentucky in that one. Um, I'm yeah. going to go ahead and stick with some of the simpler ones and get to the harder ones. I'm going to go to the ACC, which is a little bit harder. Uh, Florida State actually won that conference. Uh, Virginia, Louisville, and Duke are all very close together as the two, three, and four seeds. Uh, we actually had some wins last night from mm-hmm. Pitt and North Carolina, both of the upsets over the 11 and 12 seeds. Uh, it's really weird to say North Carolina is the 14 seed out mm-hmm. of the ACC. Uh, that being said, oh, I yeah, absolutely. think there could be some chaos here because the AS- ACC hasn't been top-heavy. I know they play it in Greensboro. I tend to lean with a potential Virginia Duke championship game. And I think that if you, you were making me pick today, Virginia just recently has been on a tear and they won the title in the tournament last year. I think Virginia is probably my team to beat. So, I mean, the ACC is where the big boys play. Um, they're just, I mean, all over, pretty stacked. Um, and typically you see a good chunk of them making the dance. Um, I, I kind of have to go with you in the Virginia Duke final, but I think I'm going to go the other way and uh, I'm going to go with Duke to win it all. Um, just because that team, there's something about that team come postseason. Uh, they just turn something on and, with their coach and the amount of talent he has coached over the years, both in the college level and in the NBA and the, you know, coaching for the See, country. I think I actually kind of disagree. I, it might be that, you know, Duke fans are a little bit spoiled, but they just don't have that extra dynamic. They don't have a Kyrie. They don't have a Zion. They don't have a clear player that carries them nearly as well as they have in the past. And I've seen people say, you know, this is the type of year where you would pick Mercer over Duke in the first round. And if that's where the pulse of the fan base is, I have a tough time saying, oh, and it's just going to automatically flip a switch at this point. I, I Right. Uh, I, I understand that. So... Uh, let's go to the Pac-12, and we'll save our two for last. Um, Pac-12 tournament. I know Travis is taking the Washington Huskies as the 12 seed to just ramrod through the tournament and steal the bubble bit. That being said, I actually am going to go away from the, the number one team and go with a team that we can even talk about like two or three weeks ago when we talked about the Pac-12. They've just been so on fire lately. It's the UCLA Bruins. Uh, In general, if you're saying pick a winner of a conference tournament, I always want someone who's playing less games. So give me someone who's playing only three games instead of four. And it's not that long of a drive from Mm -hmm. UCLA to Las Vegas. I think that they kind of have a little bit of a de facto home court advantage. And 
Bruins are just Two. playing really good basketball for Mick Cronin right now, and that's that's my pick to, to win that tournament. Yeah, I I actually am going to agree there. I UCLA is my pick to win it. Um, I think this one's going to be one of those tournaments that kind of goes in the way of chalk of, you know, who's supposed to beat who is going to beat who until you get to the finals. And I think UCLA takes down. Right. Well, let's go finals. to the Big Ten, which I feel like is probably arguably the most open bracket that is out there. If for no other reason, then, I mean, when people are putting Except Indiana one- as a potential bubble seed and they're the 11 seed in the conference tournament, they uh, that is kind of odd. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Travis, but two players from the Nebraska football team actually were allowed to travel with the team to Indy to play in the tournament because that's how hurt our roster is. Uh, one of them actually started some games at quarterback this past season when Adrian Martinez got hurt. His name is Noah Vedrill. And, <laughs> and so uh, I'm hoping that he can bring some of that Husker magic to – Indianapolis, and maybe we can pull an upset or two just for fun. Uh, that being said, I don't see that happening. Uh, where where are you going as far as trying to pick a favorite in this chaotic tournament? I, I tend to align in the same mindset of give me the team who's going to play less games, but also give me the team who's going to play the team that's played the most games. Um, I see Michigan making it to the finals. Uh, or not Michigan, uh, Maryland, sorry. Um, just because the t- they don't have to play until game 10. And the team they're going to play is going to have to, unless it's Penn State, if it's Nebraska or Indiana, they're going to be dead on their legs just because they're playing game after game. Um, it's just uh, – so I would see – I kind of – I wouldn't even – I don't know if I can give Maryland the finals because they have to play Michigan State. Michigan State's solid. Um, but I do see Wisconsin making a run to the finals. Um, and I, actually I am going to at least throw a dark horse out there because if there's a tournament to take a dark horse, I feel like this is a great one. I'm going to say whoever wins mm-hmm. uh, what is listed on their bracket is game five, the 7-10 game between Ohio State and Purdue goes to the championship game. Ohio State has been playing really good ball right now. Hmm. Uh, They kind of had a hiccup in the middle of the season after playing good in the non-conference. But if they're hitting threes and playing good defense, they can take down anyone in the country. All that being said, Purdue is the kind of de facto home court advantage. Lafayette is the closest to Indianapolis of any of the teams there. And Purdue needs it the most. Purdue is probably Purdue and Indiana are the bubbleishest teams in this tournament. You got to go get some wins. I think Ohio State could actually win the whole tournament. That is my pick right now is to take the Buckeyes. You didn't see that one coming, did you? Okay. I didn't. Um, that was a shock. Then we've got the Big Twelve tournament. I know your Oklahoma State Cowboys are in there tonight at 6 o'clock in the 8-9 game. Uh, We're going to highlight uh, Texas versus Texas Tech in our game of the week a little bit later. Uh, This conference was really Kansas versus Baylor for the whole year. And 
actually all of the three through six seeds tied for third in the regular season. So lots of interesting ways this one can go. First, talk about your Cowboys and how you think they might do, and then tell me who you got in the championship and who's going to take that one. So OSU is, is, is a volatile team right now. They're, I mean, they would be – if I wasn't an OSU fan, OSU would be the one team I didn't want to play as a 16 seed or even a 14 seed. Uh, OSU is definitely playing for – Sorry about that technical difficulty. Um, so they're definitely playing for a chance to get into the conference or to the big dance. That's what their 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 minds set on. Um, in all technicality, they've beaten ninety uh, percent of this conference at some point. Um, so the capability is there. It just depends on who steps up and when to play. Um, unfortunately, the winner of this game has to face the number one seed in the tournament in Kansas, and and Kansas City, so that's a little rough. Um, but I, I definitely could see OSU making a run. Um, but if we're going to go with just pure basic stats, this is going to be a Kansas versus Baylor final. Um, just hands down, I think everybody can agree with that. There's no other team that kind of just stepped out of, okay, this is a team that's going to beat everybody and surprise them. But upsets happen. Kansas and Baylor have already sealed their spot in the big dance. They could start resting players if they wanted to. Um, there's just no telling. Um, so my pick is uh, Kansas versus Baylor, but I would love an OSU versus Baylor so we can get some. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to ride that bright orange dream with you. Uh, I am going to stick with uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I think that this is one where KU really is the best and the brightest team, not only in the Big 12, but in the country right now call it the KU Invitational, I think Kansas is going to dominate this tournament in the Sprint Center and that they are going to take the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. All right. Well, uh, we're going to pause for a moment, and Travis and Sean are going to switch, and we'll be right back. All right. Well, uh, I think that wraps up that discussion. Uh, Sean, why don't we go ahead and go to 300 seconds of soccer? All right. So to start off this segment, I wanted to open with about the uh, only match this past weekend in the Premier League that's of interest, uh, Man City and Man United. Now, actually, to quickly insert, uh, Arsenal beat West Ham 1-0. We had three clean sheets in our last four matches in league. Uh, this is an eight-game uh, unbeaten run in the league for us, so it's been great stuff. Um uh, we're actually going to talk more about United and City. So United beat City uh, 2-0 at Old Trafford. United are now unbeaten in their last 10 games across all competitions. So that's FA Cup, Europa League, um, and Premier League. And they've actually done the double over City. It's the first time that's happened in a decade. Uh, now, a lot of that was probably attributed to City's keeper, uh, Ederson. He was atrocious on both goals that uh, United scored probably one of the worst games of his career. Uh, Pep Guardiola, who is city's manager actually now has seven or city has seven losses in league. This is the most that Pep has ever had. Um, he has, 
been a top performing manager for a long time. So that's uh, quite shocking that seven is the most that he's ever seen. All right. So last week I said I'd talk about promotion and relegation. So let's dive right into that. Most European football league systems have a promotion and relegation system. We're going to concentrate on the English system. Uh, So there's eight levels of leagues in the English football pyramid, and they're all interconnected through promotion and relegation. So this means that clubs that finish at the top of their respective leagues or in a lot of the lower leagues, it's they're actually split up into divisions. um, They'll be promoted to the next league up the following season. So this is being promoted. Now relegation is essentially the opposite clubs who finish at the bottom are moved down to a lower league for the next season. So this means that theoretically a lower league club could advance up through multiple leagues and reach a higher tier of football. That said, this is relatively rare due to multiple factors, almost all of which circle back to the amount of money that's in a club. Many times clubs who have higher profile players, uh, younger players who have overperformed relative to the league that they're in, end up sold to more expensive clubs, both in uh, England and around the world, to bring in revenue to sustain that lower club's operational costs. Now, if they don't sell, these players will sometimes get poached when their contracts are up. So these teams are encouraged to sell them when the value is high. Now, on the same token, clubs who may have uh, players who underperform relative to a higher wage bill will often find themselves relegated and then still having to sell these players, which means they're often stuck in lower leagues for a longer period of time because of the amount of money required to rebound from a relegation. Now, there are six clubs in the Premier League, which is the highest tier of English football, who have remained in it since its inception in 1992. Those are Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester United, and Tottenham. Now, though Everton has somewhat been served by Manchester City in more recent years as being considered one of the big six clubs, these clubs historically haven't been anywhere close to relegation due to the amount of money that's spent on higher quality players, meaning that they're consistently better than the bottom half of the 20-team table of the Premier League. Now, oftentimes clubs who are recently promoted from the championship, which is one tier below the Premier League, tend to end up relegated back down after one, if they're lucky, maybe two seasons in the top flight. Now, there are a couple reasons for this. Uh, One is that usually players or managers who may have helped the club make it to the Premier League end up leaving for bigger, brighter things around Europe, leaving the club in the best league, but without players good enough to perform well. Now, another is the type of football that the squad plays. It may not end up being a good fit against these top six or these top table clubs. Uh, Norwich City is actually a really good example of this. <clears throat> They're bottom of the table with 26, uh, 21 points. They're six points out of 17th. They have a negative 27 goal differential. So they play okay offensive football at times, but they're incredibly inconsistent and they're defensively weak. Now, if you compare them to a side like maybe Brighton, who themselves are barely out of the relegation zone, um, they're not the most gifted side in, um, in the Premier League, but they end up with a lot of draws against better clubs by playing overly defensively helps them stay afloat, and I expect Brighton to remain in the Premier League for another season. Now, maybe on another segment, we can talk about some of the more interesting promotion and relegation stories, 
Uh, we've already talked about Portsmouth, I think, a week or two ago. Uh, and there are some other interesting ones. Uh, Blackburn Rovers was a founding Premier League team that won the title in 95. Uh, it actually ended up being relegated, I believe, 98 or 99. Uh, they eventually fell down to the third tier of uh, English football, but they bounced back. Um, they're in the championship now, I think, kind of a mid-table team. But we can talk about them maybe another time. Um, and that's, uh, that's actually going to be my 300 seconds of soccer for today. Excellent. Uh, I really enjoy that. I could hear more about promotion and relegation pretty much all the time. You know, you'll, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned before, I don't think you'll ever see it in any domestic sports here uh, just because of franchising. There's too much money invested uh, in a particular franchise and the way that a lot of these big leagues like the NFL, NBA, et cetera, are structured. Um, there's not as much mutual buy-in. Uh, for the entire league into one club. Generally, you know, these, like some of these clubs, they don't care if another club goes, you know, insolvent. That's no sweat off their back. Uh, but in the NBA, NFL, it doesn't really work like that. And relegation would be a death knell for some of these teams. Anyway, we can talk I about mean, that time. <laughs> it, it would be really great if we could get the Cleveland Browns relegated or the Detroit Lions <laughs> because they are abysmal and they always have been. Um, that being said, let's go over to the NFL for a few moments and talk about uh, kind of the early free agency signing that has happened that is worth talking about. And that's Josh Norman getting picked up by his old defensive coordinator, Sean McDermott, who's now the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it was a one-year, $6 million deal for the old Coastal Carolina Chanticleer defensive back. I uh, don't hear a lot of Chanticleers <laughs> in the NFL. Uh, Josh Norman is going to be 32 coming into this coming season. Uh, Sean, how do you kind of feel about this one? Uh, I mean, I, to be honest, him being out of the NFC East doesn't really make a difference at all. Uh, he got benched, I believe, like midway through the season last year. Uh, he was a non-factor in almost all of the games. He's, I think he played like two games maybe in the last six. Um his better days are behind him. Uh, it's a one-year deal, though. You know, one-year deals gives the player an incentive to maybe improve his game a little in the offseason, get a little more fit, um, try and get that last big contract. You know, a lot of times when these players who are 31, 32, 33 get these one-year deals, it's basically a, hey, if you don't perform here, it's very unlikely that another team takes a chance on you once this deal is done. So you need to show us not only what you're capable of, but show the entire league that you're still worth that financial investment. And the bills have a lot of salary cap, you know, it's not like they're hurting at all. Uh, I don't expect this to be the last uh, big move that they make or any really big move. The last uh, uh, notable move that they make, it's not a huge risk for them. So uh, I, I don't hate them bringing in somebody, um, to kind of show, I mean, they, they were always defensively sound. So maybe this reuniting with McDermott will will help out. What, what do you think? So in general, I always think that it's better anytime a player returns to a coach they've had previously, a system they've had previously. Whenever you are more familiar, it gives you the opportunity to get out of your head a little bit more and just make some plays. Um, his whole Redskins tenure is not really the highlight of his career. His best definitely season <laughs> was definitely the 2015 season 
when they had that amazing defensive line and they went on the Super Bowl run but couldn't finish it against Denver in the playoffs. Um, That being said, I have to bring up the name that makes this an interesting contract, and that is the name of Tredavious White. Josh Norman's not a number one corner on this deal. Josh Norman does have the one-year prove-it deal with incentive, and he's returning, of course, like we said, to a system he knows. I mean, Tredavious White was amazing last year. People don't want to throw at him, and he had six interceptions and 17 pass deflections. People were not going to his side of the field pretty much. They could, If they could avoid it, they would. So that means you're throwing at Josh Norman, who does have good ball skills at least. I think it's going to be one of those things where Norman gets burned sometimes, but I think he's going to make a couple of you know nice interceptions, possibly take one or two back to the house this year. I think it's a great move for the Buffalo Bills to say the Jets are down. We don't know what's happening in New England. The Dolphins are down. We want the AFC North or AFC East banner for the 2020 season. I can't help but agree with you. I mean, if there's anybody that can stabilize Norman's career, um, it would be McDermott. And I think that you're right. Um, He is not going to have the same level of expectations on him that he would potentially with another team. So maybe that, you know, lack of pressure while still being on the one year deal, just um, that lack of, you know, we need you to be the number one big splashy guy might help him, you know, get his head in the game and that mental aspect of it, especially as a corner You know, you get burned one, two, three times. You're suddenly doubting your legs. You're doubting your hands. You're just full of doubt. So I agree. I think this is a good move for the Bills. And I mean, of course, we have to wait and see what happens out of Foxborough. But, you know, this could be the Bills division to lose next season. Wow, that's a weird thing to say, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I think we'll have to see how Josh Allen does, but they definitely are set on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, That being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and pause here real quick, and we will jump right back with the coverage of the green jerseys that Sean has. All right. So I saved a little bit of a surprise. Now, unfortunately, our listeners don't really know this person, but the three of us do. So rather than just settle on all three of our opinions, I reached out to a one- Molly Franklin, who I knew not any of these teams would be 100% objective. Yeah, she doesn't want her vote. <laughs> so let's go ahead and begin. Starting from the bottom. Now, keep in mind the way that we did this is we voted it, uh, voted on these teams one through 10. Um, and the top team we gave 10 points to, the bottom team gave one point to. Uh, the teams were uh, in alphabetical order, the Boston Celtics, the Dallas Stars, Green Bay Packers, Milwaukee Bucks, Minnesota Wild, New York Jets, Oakland Athletics, Philadelphia Eagles, 
Portland Timbers, and the Seattle Sounders. Now, starting from the bottom and going up. Uh, across the board, uh, except for Travis putting them ninth, the Seattle Sounders were the, uh, were the 10th place team securing five points. Uh, their uniforms, their kit is hideous. It is bottom of the barrel in the MLS. Um, I would say across the world, uh, looking you know, at some of the classic kits out of Europe, uh, no club in their right mind would ever have a color combination as ugly as Seattle's. What do you guys think? I mean, I clearly <laughs> voted them last. They were not impressive and they did not look good. Yeah. I'm ready for number nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I honestly probably rated them higher because they probably look worse than I can actually see, not being able to see the color. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, in ninth place, securing 13 points, uh, is the uniforms of the Minnesota Wild. Now, Travis, you actually ranked them at the bottom. So tell me about that. Why did you think that they were the ugliest? So, again, this whole situation was very tough for me. Um, but just the way the color combinations in my eyes looked didn't look all that great. Um, it looked like it was a darker color to me. And it just, it just looked gross. I didn't like it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, coming in at eighth place with 14 points. Now this is a this is a team that all of us ranked, including Molly, ranked in the bottom four, uh, and that is going to be the uniforms of the Milwaukee Bucks. Caleb, tell me what your thoughts are on the Milwaukee Bucks uniforms. So I will say that I think they're an improvement over what they used to be. We don't have the green and purple uniforms anymore uh, for the Bucks. I think the issue, and it might have been because of the jersey you chose. It's really tough to see Antetokounmpo <laughs> written out on a uniform. Well, it's also and, the fact that it's 900 letters long. But it's a odd one from the perspective of it's somewhat new, but the colors just don't look that exciting together. Yeah, It's got the green, <clears throat> but the, like it has a tan with it. Yeah, so the little like stripe, the colored some stripe. excitement. Yeah, it's. I mean, the shade of green, I think, is fine. For me, it was really that odd series of stripes going down the side, and I'm really not a huge fan of the block lettering. Uh, so yeah, it didn't it didn't do it for me either. Uh, all right, well, coming up in seventh place with 19 points. Now this is actually one that I rated second out of 10. Um, and still managed to finish seventh. So you guys disagreed with me. It's going to be the Portland Timbers. I think they probably have one of the cleaner kits out of MLS. Um, I I really like the alternating like green stripes, um, and I think it really kind of fits with the aesthetic uh, that Portland has or the Timbers organization has tried to instill. Um, in their club, in their franchise. So I actually enjoyed it. Uh, it's clear that you guys didn't really agree with me here. Uh, and that is why the Timbers finished so far down the list. Uh, moving right along, um, it's going to be in sixth place with 20 points. Uh, 
the sole baseball team on our list, the Oakland Athletics. Travis, you picked them uh, as uh, getting seven points. So you had them fourth on the list. Tell me, uh, tell me what you liked about their uniforms relative to the rest. So uh, I, I figured this would get asked because I figured I rated it higher than most. Um, I have a little bit of a bias towards them because growing up as a baseball player as kids, um, I played for the Little League team, the Edmond Athletics, and we had the same uniforms. So I've always just loved the uniform, and it's probably a nostalgia thing um, because of you know growing up wearing that uniform. But I just I kind of like it. It's just one of those. The, uh, it's one of those iconic baseball uniforms that you see, and you instantly know who it is. That's very true. Uh, I actually rated them pretty close to the bottom. Uh, I've maybe it's just a little bit of bias that I never really cared much for the athletics um, in general. Uh, but I always thought, relative to some other baseball uniforms, it's just like very uninspiring. Um, maybe, maybe that's just me. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of inspiring, next on the list, this is where we finally get to the top five. Coming in with twenty six points uh, is going to be my beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Travis, you actually rated them higher than I did. Now, yep. the reason I had them, I had them coming in at fourth. Uh, the reason for that is because I prefer the Kelly Green. Now, there's rumors that we're going to potentially go back to the Kelly Green here soon. We've been pushing for it for the last couple of years. I would love it. I think the Kelly Green uniforms are fantastic. Uh, I'm not as big of a fan of kind of the, the darker, like faded, like uh, almost like jungle forest green that we have going on. Um, so that what never really did as much for me. Um, so I'm, I am hoping that we go back to the, uh, to the Kelly Green. Now. Coming in in fourth place is another NFL team, the New York Jets. All of us had the Jets actually ranked in the top three. Um, The reason that they dipped down a bit um, is because of Molly. Objectively, she didn't care much for their uniforms. Um, I actually kind of like the redesign. What did you guys think about the the newer design? I'm into the new redesign. I mean, the, the redesign definitely feels modern. It's nice and fresh look for that kind of like Gotham green, gang green that they have. And they, it needed to be updated because when you looked at it before, it kind of looked like something, you know, from maybe this when the team was founded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it needed that retouch. And I think because of the difference, that's probably why we rated it higher. I don't know if it's, it's that fantastic on its own but it's so much better than where the Jets used to be. I, I agree. I also like the lettering and the numbering. I thought that's it's pretty clean design. All right. We have hit the top three coming in in third with 29 points. It's going to be Caleb's beloved Green Bay Packers. So I will say that um, I was as objective as I could be here. Knowing, Caleb, that you would probably throw a lot of points their way. Uh, Travis and I actually ranked them the same. Uh, we had them both coming in at five points. You and Molly are the ones who, uh, who kind of carried the Packers. So tell me, uh, tell me your thoughts about the Packers uniforms, bias aside. So <laughs> in general, when you have it as the, the sport of the fall, 
and you kind of have the green that transitions into the yellow with the leaves on the trees. It it looks like a fall color jersey. I like that when you get to the end of the season, you have that kind of evergreen color as the primary color. It always has a good contrast. I know that, yes, I am biased, and I did grow up on it, but at the same time, it looks good. Like, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I think that the shade of green itself um, is probably one of the, one of the better greens out of like any of the uniforms in uh, professional sports. Like the ones that I had ranked um, slightly higher than this uh, were actually going to be coming up on the list here. Um, I had the Jets, the Eagles, uh, and the Timbers all coming in slightly higher, mostly because I enjoy the overall aesthetic of those uniforms more. I think that if we're talking about the best green uniforms, I want I want there to be some green. You know, when I think of Packers, right, I think of yellow. Like, that's honestly the very first color that I think of, even though their uniform primary color is green, the yellow is so dominant throughout the uniform that it kind of pulls my attention away. Um, so that's kind of the reason I, I bumped them down a bit. I know exactly why Travis bumped them down a bit. So... Actually, I bumped them up. I had them oh. at like eight due to bias. However, after thinking about it, um, and it's about to be hashtag Travis exposed, I realized that the Green Bay Packers jersey was the first ever jersey I owned. Oh. oh. A Green Bay Packers jersey when I was in the second grade, and I wore that thing religiously. Back there are probably photos of me wearing said jersey. And that was a year before I became a Vikings fan. And and just the hatred began then. You know this is recorded, right? So we have this as, as proof. Madison, we're going to need those pictures. If you could send us yeah. to us at Brody Talk on Twitter, we would definitely <laughs> appreciate that. And we might share them with the world. Now, to be fair, I'm pretty sure there's a picture floating around somewhere of me at like age four um, wearing like a, a Dallas Cowboys shirt um, because oh, my entire God. family were Cowboys. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, it wasn't like I was willingly dressing myself. So when I saw that picture, I, I definitely threw up in my mouth. Uh, but, you know, that's, a, that's another topic for another day. All right. So we are now hitting the top two. Right. And so if you've been keeping track and marking off names, you know that the remaining two teams are the Boston Celtics and the Dallas Stars. Now, Caleb, which of those two teams do you think are at the top? I would think Boston is at the top. They definitely have an iconic jersey. Uh, it's The reason why I might go with the Stars over the Celtics is the Stars jersey, like with the Celtics' better jersey is their white jersey with the green accents. Similar with Oakland, the reason why I voted them lower is the green jersey with the other accents just doesn't look as good. And the stars, that star right in the center with that dark green, it looks fantastic. Travis, what do you think? Do you think it's the Celtics at the top, or do you think the stars took the took the top prize? Well, I, I know what took my top spot. Um, I'm going to guess by the way you're asking, it's going to be the Dallas Stars. Um, but I know my top spot was the Celtics. 
um, because of the iconicness of that jersey. You know, you have the Celtics and the Lakers back in the day. You know, you just that's when you think basketball, that's the jersey you think of besides like a Lakers jersey. Um, and that's that's where I I would pick them to be the top one. All right. Well, <clears throat> to uh, to cut out the suspense, I will say um, coming in at 32 points in second place, the Boston Celtics. So I actually had them ranked a little bit lower than everybody else. Um, and the funny thing is, is Caleb, you actually touched on exactly what I was going to say is that even though when you think of Boston, you think of green, I do not consider their green Jersey to be the most elegant. Um, I don't consider it to be the most representative of who, like whenever I picture like the Boston Celtics on the court, I don't picture them in their green jerseys. Um, and then for me, I had the Dallas stars coming in at number one. Uh, and they won it with 34 overall points. Now, for me, they're green. Remember how I said I love Kelly Green? Well, look at their look at their jersey. It's about as close as you're going to get in the NHL. Um, the Their logo with the black and silver right in the center, Caleb, like you nailed it. Um, for me, it is – if I were to design a green jersey from scratch – um, and my team were the stars. I don't think I could come up with anything better than the design. Um, what are your guys' thoughts overall on the entire the entire final ranking? I'm upset that the Green Bay Packers were higher, but it, it, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, <clears throat> the Dallas Stars definitely shocked me. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> I think, if anything – it shows how we weren't we were willing to kind of let our sports biases go to the side. I don't know that any of us are huge hockey fans. And yes, the Wild came in ninth because they have a bad green hockey jersey and the Stars are first because they have a good green hockey jersey. Ironically, the team was the Minnesota North Stars and moved to Dallas. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> beaten once again. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're a fan of Minnesota, you probably are a little bit bitter about this at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure how many Minnesota well, listeners we have, but to any of them out there, you know, tough. Go talk to the people in Seattle. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's actually kind of fitting. However, uh, the NHL team won our our sports jerseys because uh, in sports history today. Uh, uh, if you're listening to this, it would be the 11th of March. It's going to be the first one is 1917. And the first NHL championship was played. It was a best of two game set. And the Toronto Arenas beat the Montreal Canadiens seven to three. So, so Caleb watched that in person. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I was like, how old was I that um, time? <laughs> and then we uh, can kind of rotate back to the NFL, uh, something that we all kind of seem to take for granted um, nowadays and, and is almost overutilized. In 1986, the NFL adopts the in- instant replay. Um, and then, yeah, that's something that we, you know, we just become accustomed to watching at this point, but sometimes it's overutilized. Um, 
and takes way too long. All right, and I apologize. I'm not too familiar with this last one, so if I butcher a name, Sean, you can yell at me. In 1991, Monica Seles and mm-hmm. Steffi Graf's streak of 186 weeks at number one. That's a lot of weeks. <laughs> like that's so. So I want to comment on that one really quick. Just take a moment. So Steffi Graf was the most dominant women's player of the late 80s and early 90s, above and beyond, uh, like the the most dominant. This was actually a pretty like pretty significant event. Um, if I if I remember correctly, Monica Seles wasn't actually like all that, uh, like all that highly regarded at the time. Um, and I think most people kind of remember her name from when, uh, when somebody decided to, uh, come onto the court and stab her, um, in the back with a knife. I don't know if you guys, uh, yeah, yeah, I would encourage you to look into it. That happened. Uh, yeah. Somebody like they increased a lot of, a lot of court security, um, after that event, but uh, she actually ended up playing all the way up until, uh, I believe, like, late 2000s. So her career lasted quite some time. So this was when she happened when she was pretty young. And, uh, yeah, so, like, huge, huge, huge event. Anyway. Hmm. I'm glad you knew more about it because I honestly didn't. I just saw it and thought it was interesting. But I was also very young in that, in that time. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if I was I, – I know for a fact that year I hadn't even been born yet. I mean, to me, I think the the most notable thing about this is to think that, I mean, Steffi Graf spent 186 weeks at number one. I mean, that's essentially two and, three and a half years. Yeah. Three and a half, yeah. Three and a half, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Steffi Graf is probably one of the best women's tennis players that most of us do not know as well because she is a little bit before our time and before our era, but she, she definitely deserves the recognition that she gets when we look at women's tennis in history. Absolutely. And, and, you know, she actually has, uh, she, she's married to a, a player that you guys probably know a little bit better. Uh, do you know who, who it is without looking it up? Nope. I'll give you a hint. He's, he's bald. I want to say Andre Agassi. You are correct. She has way more slams than he does. <laughs> way more titles than he does. D- dinner so, conversation. I mean, that's pretty typical for women's tennis than men's tennis. So. I, by the way, I would one last thing. Um, I w- I'm going to uh, give a shout to his uh, his autobiography, Open. Uh, probably one of the best sports uh, like autobiographies or even just like biographies, period, uh, that I have ever read. Uh, it oh, well. is, yeah, it is a beautiful account of his career, and I cannot endorse it enough. I do have it in the event that uh, the two of you want to uh, want to borrow it. So just let me know. Okay. Uh, let, let us go ahead and let's wrap this up, and let's talk about our Game of the Week. Uh, I am currently the only one that is 0-1 in Game of the Week contests. Bum, bum. And uh, the, the, whichever team wins this week will get their profile on – Brody Sports Talk, we will put their colors on there. And uh, it's a week between two teams that I would rather not put on there. Uh, between Texas Longhorns and the Texas Tech Red Raiders, uh, we're going to take their opening match in Thursday's game of the Big 12 tournament. 
Um, it's definitely going to be a tournament to watch with chaos. We'll get into that, or we already talked about that. But as uh, so far as that matchup is concerned, where are you guys at? Are you taking the Longhorns or the Red Raiders? I'll let Travis talk this one first. So uh, my decision was split, if I'm going to be completely honest, between these two. I mean, they're a four and a five seed. So they, they are pretty evenly matched um, if you look just purely at the numbers. But I'm also an Oklahoman. And I grew up hardcore disliking Texas. And I just don't want to see that ugly burnt orange on the Brody Sports Talk conversation. So give me Texas Tech Red, Red Raiders. All right. So I figured I would probably be the only person to pick the Longhorns here. And uh, I want to say that this year, these are two teams uh, with very different trajectories. Uh, Texas, I mean, short of a, of a recent slip-up, um, has – made themselves known in the Big 12 to close out the year, whereas Texas Tech has been spanked consistently. Now, they haven't been devastating losses. They've all been, I would say, like four of their last five have been decided by less than 10 points. Uh, But this is a young team that is fading down the stretch. This is not the momentum you want to have going into a conference tournament. And, I mean, this game is a do-or-die for both teams. It's not just about advancing in the conference tournament. At this point, the loser is likely out of the big dance. So I think that carrying the momentum, I would expect to see the Longhorns show up early, get a lead, and I don't see Tech really clawing their way out of it. I think that we're going to continue to see that same slide as we have to you know, to start March and to close February, I am picking the Texas Longhorns to advance in the Big 12 tournament. I'm probably on a similar page as Travis and not wanting uh, what I called earlier America's Worst Orange to show up on the Brody Sports Talk pages. That being said, I do think there is something about Shaka Smart when he gets a team hot in the month of March. It is something that can really derail people. I think that they're going to give Texas Tech fits on the defensive side of the ball and that Texas is going to find a way to win. Uh, I think that they're going to be able to take this one home and put away the Red Raiders. So uh, with that being said, I do want to thank you all for listening. Uh, This is Brody Sports Talk, and we're signing off. Have a good one.